about 26 years ago, um, I was next. And I had a, a momentous, let's just say, a set of circumstances happened in my life that completely altered the trajectory of that life. And I, I want to talk to you about that, and I want to talk to you also about uh, a man a few years before that, around 62 AD, plus or minus, uh, that had a similar life-altering experience. And, and, and you'll see just how God can use these small moments to do incredible, incredible things. So this is the second installment in the I Was Next series. Uh, Pastor Tim talked about uh, it last week in the, uh, the kickoff. And uh, the title of this week's message is What's Behind a Divine Appointment? Right? Pastor Tim talked last week about small moments, also known as divine appointments occasionally. So before we go back in time and we talk about those couple of different situations, I'd like to bring us back to present for a moment, and let's talk about 2019, right? Because this is where we live, right? Uh, Here we are, early 2019, no news slash to anybody. We live in somewhat of a divided society. Would you agree? Divisive, polarized, however you want to label it. Uh, Sometimes I'd call it an outrage culture, where People seem to be set off by the slightest thing that's said or done outside of this narrow little spectrum of what we would consider to be universally accepted standards, if I can use that phrase. And I don't even know if that even exists anymore. Maybe don't hurt puppies, right? We can all agree, don't hurt puppies. That's common ground. Okay, good, good, good. All right. But outside of that, anything goes. And nowhere is this more evident than on social media, and I'd say nowhere on social media probably more evident than Twitter, because it is so instantaneous and inflammatory and visceral, right? And one person can set off a firestorm where millions of people just sort of jump into the fray all of a sudden. And uh, within the last couple weeks, a good friend of ours out in Hollywood, brother in Christ, Chris Pratt, experienced this firsthand. He didn't even have to say anything or do anything. Uh, just by nature of his church affiliation or group affiliation, because we're guilty by association these days, right? He was attacked by another celebrity who shall not go unnamed. But, um, but I was just so pleased to see the, the response that he gave to that um, and how he didn't react in the way that I think is so common these days. He, he, re, he responded with grace and poise and wisdom and, and it was so encouraging to see, but I think that's in the, in the minority these days that, of the times that you see that actually happening. And more often than not, we're being turned into a society filled with what I would call tight-lipped people-pleasers and chronic apologizers, right? Just petrified of offending anyone. But, you know, I heard a phrase once that stuck with me, like it probably stuck with you, so maybe you can help me complete this. If you don't stand for something... You'll fall for anything. Exactly. And so true in this, in this broken world that we live in. So, but it, this is not all bad news. We are blessed by God. And you think about where we live in, in our country, in our society, particularly up here in the Northeast, some of the things that we take for granted that, that aren't even conceived of, certainly back in 62 AD, but even in most other parts of the world, you know, from the education to the access to food that we have and and clean water and just some of those simple things, your lifespan that you enjoy here. 
But even looking back 26 years ago, and, and I would call 26 years ago BA. Anybody know what BA is? Not to be confused with BC or AD. BA, anybody? Before Amazon? Uh-huh, see? See how I did that? Before Amazon. All right, it's just incredible how life has changed with, with the blessing, and, and it is a blessing of, of you know, technology. And now we can order with a click of a button everything from A to Z that you could ever dream of wanting. Kind of amazing. 26 years ago, those of you who were here probably couldn't have conceived of that, right? And now you don't even have to click a button because we have what? Alexa, I heard it. I heard it. Um, which is an incredible well, some would say blessing, right? Advance in technology, blessing, and it, can, it certainly can be, but we've got to be careful because if you live a life that's devoid of purpose, technology in the, in the world has a funny way of filling that void and, and not necessarily with the things that God would want. And I think it kind of sums it up. We could project this up on the screen. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, right? So I'll just leave you with that thought and maybe leave it at that and move on. What can happen, especially with AI being introduced into the equation? But, you know, the point of this is that we've got tremendous physical blessings that, that come from God. Theoretically, these are blessings that should greatly enhance our quality of life, save extraordinary amounts of time, and go a long way to filling our needs, right? And not just physical blessings from God, but God-given gifts. And you've seen that already on, on display here at Waters this morning with an incredible worship team. Right? The singers and the musicians, the, the talent is just phenomenal. Um, and likewise, back in the sound booth, taking care of the, the sound and the lights, uh, the, the incredible things that they do back there, so gifted. And back in the control room, the magic that they work with the audio and video and projecting this message around the world, just incredible. Incredible talent at work and on display here. And even our hurts and hardships can be blessings. Right? You heard, those of you who heard the message from Pastor Tim last week, hurts and hardships God can use. We heard it just a little while ago during the, the baptism, right? And I had a similar situation. It's, uh, I, I, I don't think coincidence. There are too many coincidences for them to be coincidences, right? <laughs> but this week marked the one-year anniversary of my having cancer surgery. And uh, quite honestly, it is the only reason that you see me up here today. Um, and what a blessing to me, and, and hopefully a blessing to, to you as well, but just incredible how God can take those circumstances and flip them around, right? It's amazing. So what's my point in all this? My point is God blesses us in our mess, and not just because he loves us, and he does, and not just because he wants to bless us, because he does, but for a purpose, to be a blessing to the rest. And who's the rest? The rest of the world that doesn't know God, that doesn't know Christ. There's purpose behind it. God blesses us in our mess to be a blessing to the rest. And his prescription is the church, not the building, not the building you're sitting in right now, but you and I, the body of Christ, is his prescription for this broken world that we live in. And Jesus said in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And again in Acts that we're going to get to in just a moment here. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Folks, this is a call to action, not just to a group of apostles 2,000 years ago. This is a call to action for all of us, every single one of us. And as it says in James 1, chapter 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Help me with these next four words. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Am I right? Oh, phenomenal message I heard last week. And then go home two hours later, sitting in front of the TV, maybe watching the Patriots win another championship. You know, two hours later, mowing the lawn. Totally forgot. We can only dream, right? Mowing the lawn. Remember that? <laughs> the point is, do what it says. Does that mean do we do everything word for word what it says in the Bible? No. Context matters. In the context of what we're talking about today, yes, do what it says. There's some instruction here that we can take, and we're going to see that in just a moment. And what does this look like in action, to do what it says in this context? Uh, it's not necessarily you up here, although it could be. And if you're saying to yourself, I would never be up there, never say never. God does funny things, unexpected things. But more often than not, it's one-on-one. It's, -on -one. it's those small moments. Am I right? Those small moments that we think are coincidences. We think are happy accidents. And they're not. They're divine appointments. Folks, we're saved for a purpose. We're blessed to be a blessing. In this time, in this generation, and as it turns out, Mr. Rogers was right, you are special. Every single one of you, you're special. You're uniquely tailored by God according to his purposes. And he wants to be able to use you in those situations. It says this in Romans 12, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Again, in Hebrews 13, now may the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. So those who came to know Christ, we came to know him in different ways through different people, different circumstances, right? That were orchestrated. So what's my story? Well, this might sound familiar because you just heard it from I believe it was Nora a few moments ago. Um, I was raised Catholic, and uh, I, I would say that I knew about Jesus. I knew about Jesus. I didn't know him. I hadn't received him for the better part of my life. Um, and uh, I even walked away, you know, at a certain point. Uh, my late teens, I walked away for, for a period of time, and then, uh, as God always does, uh, he, he was chasing me down and caught up with me in my mid-20s and uh, kind of forced me back into my, my journey. And I had left the Catholic Church by that time, but, and I was exploring, and I, didn't, I was somewhat aimlessly exploring, just going to a whole bunch of different churches. I, I was living in New York at the time, so there was quite a, a breadth of selection, let's just say, of churches to be able to go to. But he had drawn me into that, that search, that journey, back into it. And, uh, and then one week, I got an invitation to a business conference, and I was interested in making money at that time, as 
as you are when you're getting started off with your career. But along with this business conference came a Sunday morning optional non-denominational service, Christian service. And it, it was optional, but it was highly recommended to attend. And since God had sort of prepared me and had sort of tilled the soil of my mind, he, that became my divine appointment, I guess, it, just to cut to the chase. That became my, my divine appointment. So this, this girl I, I knew that, uh, that had invited me uh, to this and suggested that I go um, and gave me all the details, I actually ended up going to that Sunday morning service and, uh, and found that this was a man who was in charge of this business and behind this business um, who was also overseeing the Sunday morning service. So this was a man I realized finally that uh, he was honoring God in his business. He was using his business as a platform to honor him and lift up Christ, which I just have so much respect for. And, uh, and he's, he preached boldly from Romans 3, none is righteous, no, not one. And for the first time, after pursuing salvation, after trying to earn salvation my entire life, that's the first time it hit me through right between the eyes and pierced my heart. And he shared the gospel, and that morning, I received Christ. That morning, I became a Christian. And, and I remember vividly what happened next, because not only that, but he began to transform my heart. And, and, and the scripture that, that comes so clearly to mind now, I'll share with you from Romans 8. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, and all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, what a powerful moment. Life-altering, trajectory-changing, small moment, but just the most significant of my life that morning. But it was not a one-off, instantaneous lightning bolt moment because, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate, there were a series of steps that God took me through to lead me up to that point, right? Beginning with my, my parents that God worked through, godly, God-fearing parents, right, that made me go to church every week. Anybody been there? You had to go to church every week. And then CCD, which, by the way, is a cuss word in Catholicism. Some of you got that <laughs> if you grew up there. Um, but... For me, I look back on it, and, and incredible, like the, the, the seeds that were planted during that time, right? Those amazing people who were just volunteering. And then friends of ours uh, down the street, uh, the O'Neills, Mr. and Mrs. O'Neill. Love those people. And Mr. Mr. O'Neill has, has passed at, at this point, but how they poured into a bunch of high schoolers' lives with a Bible study that they hosted at a time in life when we could have been running in a completely different direction just meant so much. To me. And of course, the girl that invited me to that, to that conference just all played such pivotal roles in my life. And, uh, and here's the thing. They cared enough. They thought of enough of me to speak up and speak into my life. And God used it to draw me step by step by step, closer and closer to him and ultimately to him. So powerful. So that brings us to Acts. Because there was another gentleman that, uh, that I can relate to 
I'll tell you about in just a moment, but let me just set up Acts real quick. Everybody's familiar with the Gospel of Luke, right? The account of, of the earthly ministry and the, and the life of Jesus Christ while he was on this earth in physical form, in human form, right? And then you can consider almost Acts to be Luke 2 or book 2 because it was written by him, um, but it's the continuation of Christ's ministry, working it out through his church. And it's, account of, it's an account of the early uh, ministry of the apostles and the early life of the first century church. So instructive, so much to be gained you know, from this, this book of the Bible. And uh, this passage in particular centers on, on two, well, I would say three people. Uh, but one being uh, Philip the Evangelist, not to be confused with Philip the Apostle, who was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. But Philip the Evangelist was one of the seven men chosen, along with Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church, to oversee and care for the widows and the downtrodden in the Jerusalem church. All right, so this is Philip the Evangelist. And uh, really, really interesting guy. A Hellenistic Jew, so Jew of Greek origin, non-native, what I would consider to be an outsider. Right? but a seeker of God on a journey. And this is a picture to me of, of God using our journey to reach others in similar situations. Have you ever encountered that? You just inexplicably, you're, you're matched up with people that you have just incredible similarities with. I mean, case in point, the, the ladies that were just baptized a while ago, it's incredible how, how much this message actually shares in common with their experiences and my experience. And, um, and then we have the Ethiopian eunuch who, like Philip, an outsider. He's a foreigner. He's a proselyte, which means a convert, seeker of God through the Jewish faith. So they have that in common. But having left the religion of his upbringing. And uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, there's, there's at least a couple of things that I, I can't really relate to. Um, and I don't share in common with this man. I was giving that a second to sink in. Maybe you'll get it on the way home. <laughs> but uh, but what, I'll tell you what I do relate to is the fact that I too was an outsider. I too was seeking God or God was seeking me, maybe more accurately said, and uh, having left Catholicism at that point, and that it took somebody through happenstance boldly witnessing to him and to me in order to get through using God's word. So I really related to this. And in, in this passage, we begin to see the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy that we just read a little while ago, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Again, a picture of God's purpose and providence in the form of this divine appointment. But what I mean by that is the church starts in Jerusalem, right? And then Stephen is martyred and the church is scattered. It's fractured and it spreads out just like Jesus prophesied. Throughout Judea, Philip goes to Samaria. He begins to convert people in droves in Samaria. And then God, God calls him out to the desert, as we'll see in just one moment. And we begin to see the beginnings of the gospel being flung to the farthest reaches of the earth. And we continue to see that today, but this is a, a, a 
picture of this in one passage, which I just think is so incredible to see. So if you could stand with me, I want to read from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Candake, or Candace, as it's also translated, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading, it, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So we invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Lord, I pray that... Uh, the words of my mouth and the, and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. I pray that you would open each one of our hearts today to what you have to say to us, to what you have to speak to us through your word. And as we always pray, pray that we would see Jesus in him alone. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. And you can have a seat. Thank you. And what I'd like to do is just take the next few moments to uh, talk about three elements as demonstrated through Philip. And notice I say through Philip, not by Philip, but demonstrated through Philip of a divine appointment. So three points and a challenge, and then we're done. And remember that, uh, that Philip was one of seven men chosen as, as a man attuned to God. He was locked in to God. That was recognized in the Jerusalem church, hence his, his selection. And, and immediately preceding this, this passage of scripture, we see him, as I kind of alluded to, in Samaria, just converting droves and droves of people, being an instrument of God, converting droves and droves of people through miracles and witness. So we see immediately, this is, this is a man that is truly linked up with God. And we see it in his, his first response right at the beginning of this, this scripture in this passage. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. No small ask, by the way. So estimates are that this could have been up to a 50-mile journey that he was being asked to undertake. And not only that, but also suggests that, that this was being asked of him during the midday hours. Now think about where he is in the Middle East. 50 miles, 
midday sun, not the preferred time to travel, ever, for human beings anyway. And yet, no hesitation. Instant obedience. Uh, much like the apostles when they encountered Jesus, right? They left their families, they left their homes, they left their jobs, they left their comfort behind, not questioning. So this is a leadable man, and we see it in his, his, this next line of, of Scripture. So he started out, so he started out. No conversation, no arguing, no hesitation whatsoever. Not like Moses and God, well, God, what about, not like Jonah and God, ah, running the other way. No, instant obedience. So we see this as a leadable man. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Candake. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And this was, uh, again, this is an outsider. He's a foreigner, but beyond that, he's a eunuch, which would have made him ceremonially unclean, not having access to the things that native Jews would, ha would have access to. So he was never going to have access there to the temple, to the rituals, to the ceremonies. And Philip being an outsider, don't ever think that these, these matches are coincidences, as I mentioned before. And it continues, and on his way home, Sitting in his chariot reading the, the book of Isaiah the prophet, the Spirit told Philip, and this is the second time we see the Spirit of God speaking to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And what do you suppose Philip did? Anybody? Yes, I'm waiting for a response. He went. He went. I think we're starting to pick up just how leadable this guy is at this point, right? And we'll get to that in the next verse. But we see God orchestrating each step, guiding Philip through it. You with me? Each step, guiding him through it, through the Spirit. So point number one in your notes, as demonstrated through Philip, purpose-filled Christians are connected to God and led by the Spirit. And I'll add to that, oftentimes out of their comfort zone. Right? Amazing, God does amazing things outside of your comfort zone because that's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. And how do we connect? I'll tell you, you know, 26 years ago, I heard the greatest explanation of this from the same gentleman who was, who was organizing that meeting and who was running that Sunday morning non-denominational service, and he said, it's just like any other relationship. You need to spend time with the person. Doesn't that make sense? How do you spend time with God? Prayer. Worship. Fellowship. Ministry. Reading his word, right? To discover his, his character and his goodness and his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy and his power. That's what you get from spending time with God you begin to get to know him. You're forming that relationship, or rather he's forming it with you. It allows him to, to do incredible, incredible things as we see through Philip here. So verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot. See, I told you. Ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading? 
And notice, he's not jumping down the guy's throat. Now, I, let me tell you about Jesus. He's not saying, you know, put down that Old Testament. I got a new Testament for you. Just, no. He's letting God continue those steps. He's letting, letting God stay in control of the situation. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. And he proceeds to read from Isaiah chapter 53, which if, if you're familiar with, is, a, is an account of the suffering servant. Right? This is a detailed, finely detailed description of Jesus Christ. There can be no doubt of his, his life, what he's like, what he went through, what he suffered, and ultimately who he is. Just an incredibly detailed description. The only thing is it's written centuries before his birth. Isn't that incredible? Man, I get chills every time I think about that. Every time I read from, from that, that scripture. And this guy just happens to be reading Isaiah 53. What are the chances? There are none. Not without God. Not without God at work. For sure. And, uh, and we recognize as Philip does, that it's Christ that changes hearts. God does the heavy lifting, right? Philip understood this, and we must as well. Otherwise, we take on, let's face it, an impossible and, and very unnecessary burden on ourselves. It's him that does the heavy lifting. So number two in your notes, purpose-filled Christians trust God's providence and work, not our own. And if you remember, several weeks ago, Pastor Tim had three chairs up here on the stage. Anybody remember that? All right. Remember that second chair? What was that second chair? Believe in. All right. What was that third chair? Big difference, right? Trusting. Trusting. Trusting what? Even if. Regardless. Trusting God. Even if worst case scenarios happen. Trusting him because there's another side to those worst case scenarios, yeah. as I discovered last year. And oh man, I'll tell you. So, verse 34 the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. After he's gotten this layup, all he's got to do is tell him about Jesus. God's doing everything else. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And in some manuscripts, there's a, a verse 37 there with a profession of faith that comes from the Ethiopian eunuch. And then 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot, and of course, the, Philip baptizes the, uh, the, the eunuch and, and come up out of the water, and the Spirit takes him away. And... I love this. He went on his way, say it with me, rejoicing. I love how this passage ends. It's the very last word and, and so significant in this passage of Scripture. <clears throat> we need to remember, we need to know 
the life change that will happen. You saw it on display with the, with the baptisms and the stories, the testimonies that were shared just a, a few moments ago. We need to keep that in the forefront of our minds. And so point number three, purpose-filled Christians are very aware of the life change and joy that awaits receivers of Christ when we're willing and able to be used by him. We need to remember that. And all this points to Jesus as the forerunner in all these, these qualities. That, the, that passage, that, that description of him centuries before his birth appears not by mistake, dead center in that passage. Dead center, because he's at the heart of everything. Right? Another part of Isaiah 53, that same chapter of Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And despite the weight that he had on his shoulders, he says to his father, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So he manifested all these qualities, first and best. He was willingly led to death for us. And his sacrifice and his resurrection changed everything because in the Old Testament, God would, he was with his people, but he would lead his people as a pillar of cloud during the day, as a pillar of fire at night, and later dwelling in, in their temple, the chose, his chosen people. And today, today, because of the completed work of Jesus, where does he dwell? Not in a structure, not in a temple, not in a church. He inhabits his people, those that have believed and received him, to carry out his work through us. Folks, that's what's behind a divine appointment. That's what's behind a divine appointment. So we're here for those who are not yet here and, and those of you who have uh, been on the serve team, have seen at the entrance to the volunteer, entrance here at, at Waters. And, and if you haven't seen that, hopefully you'll see that uh, real, real soon, maybe today, hint, hint. All right? But uh, we are saved for a purpose. So my question for you is, what does God's purpose hold for you? Is it taking that, that faith step of tithing? Is it going to Info Central right after this service is over and signing up for the serve team? Or going to the kiosk and signing up for a small group so that you can reach and speak into other people's lives? Is it sharing the good news with someone that God's placed on your heart, meeting them where they are in a way that only you were designed to do? What a privilege. That is. Or is it like that girl 26 years ago in my life, who, by the way, was saved a few weeks before I was, and that next year, um, I married that girl. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. There are, there are blessings upon blessings. I don't promise that, by the way, for any of you who may be interested. That is not necessarily a guaranteed fringe benefit, but, but it was for me. And... Uh, or is it like that girl, though, to invite your spouse or your future spouse or your friend or neighbor or family member or coworker 
So simple, but so significant, right? It can be one of those small moments. You might be depressed, anxious, in pain, may have suffered a loss that is just consuming you at the moment. Um, Or you may be energized and you may be ready to get up and get at it. And I just want to tell you today that God has a fulfilling purpose for your life. Don't doubt it for a second. It's not a question of self-confidence. It's a question of God-confidence. We had a 1,000 salvations here last year, right? Amen. You can clap for that, too. That's amazing things that God has done through this church, lives that have been changed. But imagine, just imagine for a moment what God could do this year with a church full of connected, spirit-led, God-trusting, purpose-filled Christians. Folks, that's how revivals start. Small moment after small moment after small moment, step by step by step. Is this speaking to you, anybody? Small moments can lead to massive movements 